Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Interesting. I mean, there are three great players there. Mo Ibrahim and Blake Corum are the first teamers. Charlie Jones and Marvin Harrison, both fabulous years at wide receiver. Sam Laporta gets the nod from a loaded tight end group. How about Michigan? Three first-team offensive linemen, the Buckeyes and Wolverines, each with four first-teamers. The Graham George Offensive Player of the Year's Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud wins the award for the second straight season. It's the fifth consecutive year that this award has been won by an Ohio State quarterback. Stroud leads the nation in passing efficiency, tied for the national lead with 37 TD throws. He is the fifth player to win this award multiple times. Let's look at the individual award. Stroud is also the Greasy Breeze Quarterback of the Year. Seventh straight year that Ohio State has won the Big Ten Quarterback of the Year. Mm. Running back Nick Singleton of Penn State takes home the Thompson Randall Freshman of the Year Award. Marvin Harrison Jr., the Richter Howard Receiver of the Year over Charlie Jones. Amazingly, that is the first time an Ohio State player has won the Big Ten Receiver of the Year. Blake Corum, the first Michigan player to win Big Ten running back of the year. Loaded group, as I mentioned, with Moe and Chase Brown. Sam Laporta wins the tight end of the year. Northwestern's Peter Skaronsky is the Remington Pace Offensive Lineman of the Year. The first Wildcat to win that award, which was introduced in 1984. The Dungy Thompson Humanitarian Award goes to former Indiana QB Nate Sudfeld. And former Illinois AD Ron Gunther, the Ford Kinnick Leadership Award winner. So... Lots to digest there. Pat, let's start with you in terms of what stands out among those individual awards, because there were some very interesting races. Yeah, you know what? I mean, there's a lot of talk in our culture about having too many trophies, but I think there aren't enough trophies for the running backs here, because it's such a good group. I mean, you're talking about three absolute stars in Mo Ibrahim, in Chase Brown, and in Blake Corum. And I, Blake Corum, you certainly are not going to get me to say he's not deserving of it. But again, if we could just kind of hand out a, a you know a 1A and a 1B after him. I mean, Chase Brown, 1,643 rushing yards, 27.3 attempts per game. And Mo Ibrahim had even more attempts per game, 27.6, 1,594 rushing yards, 19 touchdowns. Those guys were workhorses in an era where... You know, you're you're parceling out carries with an eyedropper. No, they were old school throwback, give me the ball, let me carry this team forward kind of guys. So I loved watching them play. And we thought that Chase Brown was going to be in a position where he was splitting carries with Josh McCray, and that's not how the Illini offense worked out this season. So he, he did end up taking such a big load 
for them. To the tight end position, I mean, Sam Laporta, it makes sense. But a guy like Payne Durham at Purdue could have been in that tight end conversation as well. I'm sure that he was, even Corey Deitches for Maryland. But when you're looking at a, the position, it's named after Dallas Clark is one of those people who the award is named after in this conference. And a guy like Sam Laporta, who not only has a huge load as the main pass catcher in an offense that didn't have as high volume of passes thrown as some of the others around the Big Ten Conference, Sam Laporta, not only as a pass receiver, but as a run blocker, former wide receiver in high school, who's picked up his ability to set the edge, to block the run more and more effectively each season, really makes sense as a tight end. I'm with you guys on both of those. It was an unbelievable running back league this year. It was an unbelievable tight end league. And I wait till you see the players who are on the third team oh, at tight end. I mean, yeah. it's astonishing <laughs> how deep it was at that position. I also think wide receiver was fascinating to mm-hmm. me, whether you went with Harrison or Jones. Both had prolific years. Harrison is, I mean, an out-of-this-world yeah. player in terms of you look at him as an incredible NFL talent. And frankly, even offensive line, Dave. I mean, yeah. Paris Johnson, you right. could have made a case there. Olu, Olu with Timi, you know, as a center for the Michigan Wolverines. John Michael Smith, one of my favorite centers over the last few years at Minnesota. Several guys, you could have made a very strong case in the offensive line award as well. But it just does show the depth of individual talent in the Big Ten Conference this season. No doubt. Uh, more awards to come later in the show. Again, we'll reveal the second and third team all Big Ten offenses as well. We're going to speak with Blake Corum, the running back of the year. So plenty of coverage on the All Big Ten teams still coming out. But we do want to get into the CFP. I mean, the truth of the matter is this is the biggest story in college football here down the stretch. Michigan's number two after dismantling Ohio State. There had been some thought perhaps they jumped to one, but Georgia remains in that spot. TCU's three. USC is now up to four. The other real point of interest was the five spot between Ohio State and Alabama. It goes to the Buckeyes. So presumably, were someone to drop out of the top four after championship weekend, the Bucks would be first in line to get there. Although, who knows? <laughs> you put nothing past the committee at this point. But, Are you making but presumptions, Dave? It would seem to indicate that to neither of them plays this weekend, <laughs> that were someone to drop out Ohio State would move up. So I think the really interesting question here, Pat, is who's already in? Like, can Georgia lose this weekend? Can Michigan lose this weekend? I certainly believe they can and still get in. Can TCU lose? Can USC lose? I think those are the questions that still need to be answered. In your mind, how many teams can afford to lose this weekend and will still make the playoff? I think three can. I'm going to put TCU Mm. in that group as well. Although, they better not get blown out. But but I can see TCU being able to lose and get in there. And I'll get to that in a second. But Georgia and, and Michigan, absolutely far and away, I think the top two teams at this point have done nothing wrong all season. I think the only reason Georgia's still ahead there is you go back to it, non-conference schedule. Uh, Georgia played two Power 5 teams out of conference. So they played 10 Power 5 opponents to Michigan's nine. Uh, we've talked and talked and talked about Michigan's schedule. So... Look, there's really not going to be that huge a difference between one and two, I don't think, but uh, that's why I think it broke down that way. As for TCU, I think they were helped by Kansas State moving up into the top ten. Yes. That's their opponent this weekend, uh, and so that's a, you're playing a quality opponent. They were the highest-ranked three-loss team. You don't win the game, you lose by seven, maybe even ten. I think you could be okay if you are the Horned Frogs. 
Then you get to USC, and that's where it's slippery, and that's where Ohio State being ahead of Alabama and boxing them out, theoretically, as you said, nobody really knows for sure what happens on the last committee vote. But it's set up where if USC loses, Ohio State could move in. And, uh, you know, there, there's so many other things as far as, you know, once you kind of go to the transitive property element of it, that maybe the committee could try to shift some other things around in the end. But I agree. It seems to me that certainly the top two, Georgia and Michigan, are good regardless. I, I do think that TCU, you know, when, when you, you have sort of the inverse of what their role was, what their position was in the first college football playoff where they didn't. Have a, college, have a conference championship game in the Big 12, and then they got leapfrogged by Ohio State that particular year. Now there is some jeopardy here where if TCU not only loses, but maybe they just don't look good against Kansas State because all the metrics have really favored TCU throughout the college football playoff rankings, but the perception hasn't. You know, it, it still is seen that they don't have a true marquee win, whereas, you know, teams in the Big 10, teams in the SEC, they have marquee win so the metrics are there strength of record strength of schedule but for whatever reason TCU has continued to be this team that's sort of been swimming upstream from a perception perspective so I, I don't think they sleep comfortably on Saturday night if they don't win the Big 12 championship game and certainly if they lose if for some reason they just lay an egg they have trailed in a number of games this season guys if they lay an egg against Kansas State I wouldn't be too confident if I'm TCU yeah absolutely and I guess I just look at it from the point of view of the first college football playoff year, 2014, where TCU was seemingly comfortably in, yeah. had a huge win on the final weekend and got leapfrogged ultimately by Ohio State, the team that won that was first huger. CFP. They had I mean, they had, a, they had a huge win, too. And again, a lot of people pointed to, and the committee pointed to that, hey, they did not crown a true conference champion right. and that that ultimately worked against TCU. That wouldn't be the case this year, but of course they would, if they win the conference championship, you don't have to worry about it. Were they to lose it, it's a different story. But I think, Pat, there probably is some PTSD there, hmm. for lack of a better term, from, from the TCU <laughs> fan base about, hey, let's just take care of business and not worry about it. What do you think of, of USC's matchup? I mean, you lost to Utah earlier this year in an extremely close game. This is a USC team that is overwhelming on offense. It may have the Heisman winner. We have seen them, though, give up a lot of yards and a lot of points this year. What are the chances of USC falling to Utah? Yeah, I mean, I was there for that game in Salt Lake City. It was a heck of a game. And there were three or four different occasions where it looked like USC was not just going to win but blow them out. And one play happened to kind of keep Utah in it. A couple of controversial flags, a couple of big plays by the Utes. Uh, and they came back and won in the final minute. It was the only time USC trailed in the whole game. I came away from that thinking USC's probably a better team on a neutral field. Now we're going to find out. And I think USC has taken up their level of play offensively even more. And defensively, they're not quite as bad, although they were shaky against UCLA. They were better against Notre Dame. So I think it sets up well for USC this weekend. Caleb Williams right now is just playing at a ridiculous level. Uh, their receivers, their running backs, their offensive line, and they're continuing to get turnovers defensively. Some of them are gifts, but a lot of them they're making plays. So I think USC is in good position, but they've got to win. Buckeye fans, they, they need to essentially join the must. The, the Utah 
football team, the Utah Athletic <laughs> Department in general, they have something called the MUS. It's the Mighty Utah Student Section, and that's the, kind of their rooting interest has like a great Twitter account and everything. So Buckeye fans can go out there and join the MUS, just sort of figuratively join the MUS for this individual weekend. And if you get a, an impressive performance from Utah, that's the path for Ohio State back in. And, you know, I, I, just, I really think Ohio State, I still see them as one of the four best. They're not one of the four most deserving right now, and that's how this balance ends up working out. They shouldn't be in the top four right now, but I won't have any qualms about Ohio State making the college football playoff because I do feel like it's been a bit overstated that that Ohio State has some sort of a a soul-searching that needs to happen after losing back-to-back seasons against one of the top programs in the country. It's not how we're accustomed to seeing Michigan in recent years, but Michigan is outstanding, man. They beat Ohio State on the field. They earned that. But it doesn't mean Ohio State's not an excellent football team. I have to believe that the Pac-12 championship game Friday night will outrate. Mm. It, the ratings in the state of Ohio may outrate some, <laughs> some places in the Pac-12 footprint. I, I think there's going to be a lot of interest. Yeah, a lot of interest on that game. Congratulations to Minnesota's Taylor Landfair. In a conference chock full of superstars, she is the Big Ten Volleyball Player of the Year. The redshirt sophomore outside hitter led the conference in kills and points per set. This after missing most of last season with an abdominal tear. Minnesota opens the 2022 NCAA tournament as a two-seed. They face southeastern Louisiana this Friday. Other individual honorees, Ohio State's Kylie Murr, the Defensive Player of the Year, her teammate, Mac Pedraza, the center of the year, produced Eva Hudson, the conference's top freshman. She was the seven-time freshman of the week. Only Dana Retke's won it more. And Kelly Sheffield, coach of the year, led Wisconsin to a national title a year ago and the outright Big Ten title this year for the fourth straight season. We are pleased to have the player of the year with us right now, Taylor Landfair. Taylor, congratulations. Uh, tell me about your reaction when you first found out that you had won this award? Oh, so thank you, first of all. And I was really excited just because I know that last year I really couldn't play the whole entire season. And so being able to just come back and bounce back the way that I did and be able to get this accomplishment has been huge for me. How did you find out? Like, tell, tell me how it was revealed to you. Who, who told you and where were you? So I was just sitting in my class. It was during the middle of the day. And Coach Hugh texted me and he said, can you keep a secret? And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. And then he's like, so you basically just won Big Ten Player of the Year. And then he said, congratulations. And I was super excited about it. So you're sitting there in class. You have to keep this secret that you've just won a huge honor. Yeah. Like, what? first of all, what was the class? What are you learning about at this point? So I was in my Societies of the Future of the future work, which is basically just like centered around technology and how it works in the society. And so at first I was just like, shell shock basically and then I was kind of just like getting uh, back and forth in my seat kind of just trying not to move too much just because I didn't want to make a ruckus in class so I was super excited. I know your parents go to virtually every game traveling from outside Chicago to go watch you play what was their reaction when you told them? So I actually didn't tell them because I wanted to be a surprise for them so my dad actually found out I think through social media and he texted me this morning congratulations but I don't know if my mom knows exactly yet because she hasn't texted me. But I told her to tune in so she can watch this. So now she for sure knows. Well, that is fabulous. So maybe your mom is experiencing it right now. That is uh, that is pretty cool. There are so many great volleyball players in this conference. I mean, that is part of what makes this such an incredible honor. But I want to ask you, if you could, 
and you can't name one of your teammates because that makes it too easy. If this was not going to be you, who would you vote for for this award? Like, who else has stood out to you among a conference full of superstars? That's a good question. I think for sure, Mac Charles would won the setter. I think she's a really good athlete. And then also Maddie Kubik, especially since she has a lot of experience within the Big Ten. I think she did a really good job this season as well. Um, if I couldn't say people on my team, I think probably... Lexi Rodriguez, she did really good this year, too. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Oh, well, that's good. I don't want you to name everyone. I was yeah. just curious. No, it's just, you know, I mean, I, I always find it interesting. Uh, who do players in terms of their opponents, who do they really, who are they in, in awe of, for, for lack of a, a better way of putting it? And I know a lot of your opponents have, have that reaction when they go up against you. And it's really an amazing story because I talked about it off the top. You sat out last year, most of last year, with an abdominal injury, kind of were feeling some discomfort early in the year, and then it, it really kind of blew up. Take people through that injury and what that experience was like for you last year. So when I first originally heard it, I didn't really think that it was a major thing. And so I was like, oh, I think this may just be because I'm really sore or I may have done something that kind of tweaked it a little bit. So I kind of just let it subside for maybe like two-ish weeks. And then during our first pre- or yeah, our preseason game against Texas is kind of when everything kind of started happening a lot. And I feel like I really felt that tear during, I think the fourth set. And so I kind of was just making progress as I kept going along through the season. And I just think that at some point I really decided that I need to redshirt just because it'd be best for myself in the long run. And I think throughout that process, it has led me to be able to be a good teammate, be able to just celebrate my teammates, especially since I couldn't be out there on the court with them. And just taking advantage of all the time that I had outside of the court to make sure that I'm rehabbing properly and making sure that I'm taking the necessary steps in order to get back because I didn't want to rush anything too quickly because I didn't want the injury to come back at some point. What was it like to step back out on the court this year for the first time, having been through that? And then also, just a reminder to people, your freshman year was the COVID season, so you didn't really get to play in front of crowds. You had had a little bit of that last year. What was it like to get back out there this year and play in front of the great crowds that we see in the Big Ten and, and really get to show everyone who you are? I think it was really exciting and really fun just because Again, like you just said, that we really didn't have fans in the first parts of my season. And so just being able to show the fans what we can do and being able to have all that energy from the fans and bring all that momentum into us, I think it's just been one of my favorite parts of the season. We head into the postseason now. How, how does the depth of this conference, do you believe, Taylor, prepare you for the postseason? I think it's really good because no matter what team that you face, they're still going to be a really good competitor. And so you really can't take any points off regardless of who that team is. 
And so I think that's really prepared us because we've been able to experience so many different parts of different teams. Like, for example, really tough tops have been serves a really hard, aggressive shots like deep corner, whatever that may be. I think that that's really prepared us for the off or for the next part of our season. And then also at practice, we have to make sure that regardless of what goes on, we still practice different fundamental things that we could experience in the postseason. Taylor, I mentioned you grew up outside of Chicago. I was reading a little bit about you. I saw that you were a competitive cheerleader and you were the flyer. So that's the person who's thrown up into the air. Now, I don't typically envision that as being someone who's six foot five. Like at what point did you outgrow being the the flyer? So I actually did a leak cheer when I was really young, maybe like second or third grade, something like that. And so I played elite with all the girls that are probably, I think maybe like from 16 to 18. And so it was really fun just being able to be thrown up in the air just because I was so light at that time. But then I think once I hit fifth grade is when I stopped doing cheerleading because I got too tall and I had to do a different sport. At that point, you focused exclusively on volleyball? I did a little bit of basketball, a little bit, but I didn't really like it because I didn't like all the contact. So Um, then in sixth grade, my mom was like, let's just try volleyball just because I did it. And she can kind of set me the fundamentals and just like the basics. And then I really got into it because I loved it. Well, uh, it has been fabulous to, to watch you this year. There is a really interesting story developing with your team, and obviously that is that Coach McCutcheon announced in October that he was going to step down at the end of this year. He has been a wildly successful coach, both internationally and at the college level as well. How much have you and your teammates spoken internally about trying to send him out, frankly, with a national championship? I think they were just trying to take advantage of the amount of time we have with him still because we, it could really be really easy for us to just be like, okay, well, he's leaving. What's the point? And I think instead we're just taking advantage of it and making sure that we take every single second that we have with him to our full advantage and making sure that we fight for him and we're getting every single point. We're practicing really hard every single day at practice just so we can't potentially get the national championship for him. What makes him such a great coach? Tell us a little bit about him. I think he does more than just be a coach. I feel like he also really wants to form those personal relationships within it and within his players. And I think sometimes coaches can just kind of see you as like a toolbox tool instead. And I think that he really, really is um, confident with building our relationships with us, which I really appreciate just because it could just be really easy for him to just be like, okay, well, you're just my athlete and I'm just your coach. And like, I feel like we're kind of all on the same level in terms of like communication style and what we do on and off the court. So. That's fabulous. Taylor Lanfair, congratulations. Big Ten Player of the Year, an incredible honor, and best of luck going forward in the postseason. Thank you so much. Let's take a look at the rest of the first team. It is such a loaded league. There were 10 players who were unanimous selections. Those are the players that are in blue here. Lanfair joined by Illinois' Raina Terry, a couple of Huskers, Matt Kubik, who she mentioned in our interview, Lexi Rodriguez as well, Temi thomas Alara from Northwestern, Pedraza, Emily Londot as well, unanimous picks from Ohio State. Wisconsin with three unanimous first-teamers, Danielle Hart, Sarah Franklin, Devin Robinson. Congratulations to all of the honorees. Our big stat focusing on Blake Corum, the Big Ten running back of the year, as we mentioned to you earlier. Also one of three finalists for the Doak Walker Award given to the nation's top running back, Chase Brown of Illinois, on that list as well. You see Corum's ranks top three in the Big Ten in every category you see here. He's the leader in yards per carry and rushes of 20 yards or longer. And Blake Corum is today's 
big interview. Uh, Blake, congratulations. Uh, you and I were just talking down the line a moment ago during the commercial break, and I was saying, man, I mean, some unbelievable running backs in this conference this year. What does it mean to be the one who was chosen to win this award? Uh, it's, it's a blessing. You know, it's a true honor uh, to be recognized for this uh, great award. Like you said, there's a bunch of great running backs in this conference. It's, it's a pack. Uh, but, you know, uh, it, it's honestly a blessing, and uh, I'm truly honored. We were talking about two other guys, Mo Ibrahim and, and Chase Brown. What stands out to you about each one of those two? You know, they're great backs. You know, they do a lot of great things. They run hard. You know, they're elusive. You know, they break those long, those long plays. And, you know, they're, they're key, they're key uh, players on their team. You know, without them, you know, the teams, uh, Minnesota and Illinois, uh, they, w- they wouldn't have had uh, the seasons that they had. So uh, they're great running backs. I think they both have a, a very bright future. Um, and like I said, the Big Ten Conference has uh, some of the best backs uh, in college football. So uh, it's, a, it's an honor to be able to get this award. Well, let's talk about the immediate future for you, and that is the championship game this week in Indy. I mean, it's been a, a heck of a week, I would imagine, uh, in Ann Arbor between beating your rivals in Ohio State and heading to the, the champ game and now being in a great spot to make it to the playoff. Give me a sense of what it's like to be on campus right now at Michigan. Uh, it's, a, it's a happy ride. You know, it's a happy journey. Uh, you know, it, it's... It's great to be a Michigan Wolverine right now, and uh, for many reasons, you know, not just because, you know, we beat Ohio State or we're going to, you know, the Big Ten Championship, um, but, you know, it's, it's, been a, it's been a heck of a year. You know, this team really came together. Uh, we picked that right where we left off last year, and we, we've had an even better year this year. So uh, it, it's been not only a happy, you know, week, uh, it's, it's been a happy year, and, uh, you know, it's, it's real fun uh, on campus right now. How do you maintain um, you know, your focus, Blake, with everything that, that's going on around you? You know, you just, you just have to keep your eye on the prize. You know, we, haven't, we didn't win the Big Ten Championship yet. You know, we haven't gotten invited to the college football playoffs. So, I mean, th- those are our goals, right? So, you know, you just have to keep your eye on the prize, you know, stay together uh, and go chase, go chase the dreams and the goals that we have. What message do you think that your program sent with that win over Ohio State? Uh, I think it has sent a very strong message saying, you know, we're one of the top teams uh, in college football, you know, that we deserve to be in the college football playoffs. But, you know, before we even get there, we had to get through this week and uh, beat Purdue in the Big Ten Championship. But it it sent a strong message that, you know, as a football team, whether it be offense, defense, or special teams, we're we're uh, well-rounded. And, uh, you know, we're we're not a team to play with. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going for it all. You played very sparingly in that game against Ohio State. You're battling a knee injury. What do you believe your role will be Saturday against Purdue? You know, I'm, I'm going to take it day by day, but, you know, uh, we, we shall see. You know, but with me or without me, you know, my, my, I believe in my team. As you can see, they got the job done last week. And so, uh, you know, I'm going to take it day by day. Um, but best believe my team uh, will we'll get the job done. You know, we're, we're, we're just that tight of a team, and we have that many uh, great athletes and, uh, and the coaches. So, um, you know, I'm going to take it day by day. Uh, we, we shall see uh, Saturday. Give us a sense of what's going on with your knee. Like, are you experiencing pain constantly, or is it just kind of thing where when you're out and you try to cut on it, that type of thing? You know, it's, it's just, uh, you know, a nagging pain. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm just, you know, we have the best trainers. You know, I'm in there every day with them. Um, so, you know, they're, they're getting me right. Uh, like I said, you know, we will see. We will see uh, 
if I play Saturday, you know, whenever I may play. But, you know, I'm just going to take it day by day, uh, you know, stay, stay with my teammates, you know, you know, get them right, get myself right, stay in, stay in the film and, uh, you know, treat every, every game, every opportunity like it's a championship game. And so, uh, you know, I'm, pre- I'm prepared the same each week, uh, whether I play or whether I uh, don't. So, um, you know, like I said, uh, we, we shall see Saturday uh, if, I, if I play or not. You know, uh, there was a great feature on you on the journey, and it was talking about your background being from Virginia, being from a small town, and and mm-hmm. kind of emerging as a high school player. For those who may not have seen it, and shame on them for, for not watching it, but give people a, a sense. I mean, you, you drove all the way from your small town in Virginia into Baltimore every day for high school. Give people a sense of what that was like and what, what you went through to play on a bigger stage. You know, it was a, it was a sacrifice uh, from, my, from my mom and dad. You know, we would wake up at 3.30 in the morning um, you know, we would stop halfway. I would work out w- with my trainer, Raymond Washington. And then I would continue to drive down to down to Maryland to go to high school. And it, it was just a sacrifice. You know, my my parents. I told my parents, you know, what, what my goals, and my aspirations were, and you know, they bought into it. You know, they were willing to do whatever it took to get me at this level. And uh, you know, I'm so thankful that they were able to do that for me uh, because it has put me in the position, you know, to set myself up for life and you know, my future family, whatever it may be. But, you know, just because my parents saw how bad I wanted it, um, you know, coming from a small town, it, it was going to be really hard to get recruited. And so uh, they, they sacrificed. And we, we, every day, you know, we would wake up at 3.30. You know, they would drop me off at school. They would come back, go to work, come pick me up, and we would get back. And so, you know, there were long days. A lot of sacrifice went into it. But uh, trust me, you know, it, it's been paying off, and it will continue to pay off. So how long was that drive without the stop at the trainer? In other words, if you would have... Started right. at your right, house, right. And you know, driven in just straight to school. How long was that drive? You know, it honestly depends on the traffic. You know, the, the yeah. DMV traffic uh, <laughs> it's pretty bad. But um, you know, I would just say, you know, two hours there, you wow. know, two hours back. Wow. Uh, and and that's just four hours for me. My parents were putting in eight hours, you know, on top of work. And you know, I have sisters too, so you know, it, it was a it was a big sacrifice that they put in. But you know, I'm I'm so thankful uh, that they were able to do that for me. Um, and I'm honestly, you know, just blessed. Yeah, that's a that's an amazing story. All right, give us the scouting report against Purdue. You said you're you're in the film. Mm-hmm. What do we need to know about the Boilermakers defense? You know, they they upset a, a lot of top three teams. Uh, that's that's what they're known for. That's what they've done over the years. You know, they're not coming in here. You know, you know, thinking you know we're going to whoop them. Nah, they think they're going to whoop us. Um, you know, from what I've seen in the film room. You know they they fly around. They play they play as a team, and they ha- they have a lot of great players. Uh, the the scheme that the defense coordinator puts them in is is a really good scheme, and uh, you know they're they're going to come in uh, into Lucas Oil Stadium and try to beat us. So uh, you know like like I tell my teammates, you know we got to prepare uh, each week like it's a championship game, and, and this week is a championship game. You know last week was a championship game, but this this is for the this is for the trophy. And so, uh, you know, I, I believe my teammates, they're putting in a lot of work right now. We're putting in a lot of work. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're going to go in there and do what we've been doing all year. Blake Corn, Big Ten running back of the year. Really a pleasure to visit with you, Blake. Congratulations and best of luck this weekend and going forward. Now, nah, thank you so much. As we take a look at the second team all Big Ten offense, these are the players who were not named either first team. You have a tie for the coaches' QB, Leah Tungabailoa and Aiden O'Connell. The media choosing J.J. McCarthy. 
Chase Brown, we mentioned him leading the nation in rushing yards, second team all Big Ten. That's how loaded that position is. The rest of the list includes a couple thousand-yard receivers, Trey Palmer, Emeka Abuka. In fact, Palmer set the single-season yardage record at Nebraska. Great group of linemen as well. Olu Fa'anu announced this week he's coming back to Penn State, widely considered a first-round pick, so that is huge for them. Uh, Payne Durham, first among active tight ends nationally in TD catches, so amazing group there. Speaking of Durham, he will lead Purdue into the championship game Saturday in Indy, battling Michigan, as we talked about. Tale of the tapes. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Certainly decidedly favors the Wolverines, top four in the conference in every category you see here. Those defensive numbers are both in the top three in the nation. So, with that as our backdrop, I am rejoined by Anthony Heron and Pat Forty. Pat, what would it take, in your estimation, for Purdue to pull off the upset? A lot. <laughs> uh, you know, I think you have to start with Michigan not playing its A game, or probably even its B game. Uh, I don't anticipate that happening. What I saw from them last year in the Big Ten Championship game when I thought they would have a letdown, and instead they just pummeled Iowa... Uh, These are mostly the same players, a lot of them at least. I think the leadership core and the mentality is there. And I loved what J.J. McCarthy did during the press conference after the Ohio State game. They were wearing Big Ten East Division champion hats. He took it off, dropped it on the table, says, this means nothing, job not finished, which means they've still got their eyes on some things ahead. I don't anticipate a letdown from them. But we are talking about Jeff Brom, upset warlock, He's going to come out. He's going to have stuff to throw at them, trick plays, uh, fake kicks. They're going to go for it, right? And I just think they're going to drop back and chuck it 50 times if they can keep Aiden O'Connell upright uh, long enough to do it and and just let the chips fall where they may. And, you know, you, you mentioned being the upset warlock with 3-0 and against top three teams as the Purdue head coach. I mean, that's just staggering. That's just staggering. They've right? got Michigan right where they want them. Yeah. That's exactly how Purdue likes to operate. And then, you know, you factor in even just the, the sort of mechanical end of, of Aiden O'Connell not being with the team this week, dealing with tragedy. We didn't recognize that at this point last week, of course. But... To, to Jeff Brom, Brian Brom's uh, aide, I suppose, the fact that they have, as everyone's come out of COVID, they're still able to communicate with their quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, to whatever extent you know he's able to, at this point in the week, being away from the team via Zoom and still get the game plan in. And, of course, in the time that he's been there throughout his entire career, he knows the offensive system really well. He's going to have a ferocious Michigan defense lined up across from him at wide receiver. Charlie Jones is the player on the team. 
who has faced Michigan in a Big Ten championship game before he did it last season, mainly as a return specialist, but he can impart some of that knowledge to his teammates as well. And Purdue, away from home the last couple of seasons, has been excellent. This isn't a true road game, but their road record over the last two years has been 7-2. That's number three in the Big Ten Conference. So they will certainly be closer to their home, to ross Eight Stadium than Michigan is to their normal confines. But Purdue is accustomed over the last couple of seasons to performing at a high level when they're not at their home venue. No doubt. I'm going to be fascinated to see what the crowd split is. But you have right. to believe there are Boilermaker fans who are falling all over Been themselves this, to get these tickets. No doubt. Uh, you are... Right, and acknowledging, I mean, Aiden O'Connell has been through an unimaginable personal tragedy, losing his brother unexpectedly here in the past week. And and so, obviously, our hearts go out to him. We mentioned it uh, earlier in the week as well. But it is a a challenging spot to be in. It certainly puts everything that's that's going on externally here into perspective. J.J. McCarthy even reached out to him during the week here as well, reportedly, just to send his condolences and share that with him. I mean, just it goes to speak to what kind of person he is in the midst of knowing the competition that's out in front of them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, X and O wise, Pat, you mentioned X's and O's here and that Jeff Brom is famous for kind of drawing it up in the dirt and coming up with great game plans and, and plays that he feels like can put his team in a position to, to pull these upsets. And, and historically, we've seen him do it. Is there any area where you feel like Purdue has a competitive advantage or, or can kind of at least play Michigan to a draw, something they can lean on? Well, I, I, the one thing I think is that this is different than most of the teams, especially offensively, that, that Michigan has faced. Because they, they are perfectly fine throwing the ball 50 or 60 times if they want to. Uh, Ohio State has a great passing offense but didn't want to throw it that many times. Purdue, Jeff Brom, if, if like the running game isn't working after two runs, I'm like, fine, we'll just we'll chuck it. We'll throw it around. Uh, so that's going to be a wide open playbook from that perspective. Uh, they are a big first down, second down passing team. They, you know, most teams it's run, run, run on first down. Purdue, 212 first down runs this year, 187 first down passes. So they keep you guessing right away on what you're going to do instead of being a stereotypical run first, throw later team. So it's just going to have to be a different mindset for Michigan of like, we're going to have to cover and we're going to have to rush 50 or 60 times during this game. First meeting since 2017. So we haven't seen these teams. are not familiar with one another outside of, as you said, Charlie Jones playing on a different team in the Big Championship game in, in back-to-back years. So it should just be a great scene on Saturday in Indy. The Big Ten and ACC split their six men's games last night. Illinois got a triple-double from Coleman Hawkins, crushed Syracuse. Maryland a huge winner as well. Chris Murray at 31 for Iowa. Three narrow defeats. Penn State fell in double overtime. Wisconsin and Michigan both led in the final two minutes of their losses. And again, six more games tonight. Busy night for women's basketball. The ACC Big Ten Challenge tips off there. You can see Purdue host Syracuse 6 p.m. Eastern here on the Big Ten Network, followed by Wake Forest at Minnesota. That game is at 8 p.m. The marquee matchup, number four, Ohio State, and number 18, Louisville. And that is where Big Ten Network analyst Autumn Johnson will be. She is joining us now from Louisville. And before we get into the games, Autumn, just give us a sense league-wise. Where do you think these two leagues stack up nationally? 
I mean, for the next two days, we're going to be watching the best of the best and the numbers do not lie. In the AP Top 25 poll, you have five teams from the Big Ten and you also have five teams from the ACC. The other school or conference that can say that is the Pac-12. They also have five teams represented. But when you look at both conferences, top to bottom, I mean, it is first class. I mean, if you want to talk about the Big Ten specifically, three teams in the top 10, Ohio State at four, Indiana at five, Iowa at 10, and Michigan and Maryland are still climbing its way up. As far as like for the ACC, four teams in the top 12 and Louisville just slipped out of that uh, top 10 spot, which is the first time in five years. I mean, this is just a testament of how these teams are panning out and we get to watch them. You see Big Ten Challenge going up against each other. When you even look at the bottom of the Big Ten, I mean, you have like a team like Nebraska, who was once in the top 25, hit a few bumps, but I can see them potentially breaking back in. Penn State right now undefeated. Purdue, Minnesota, Michigan State. I think these teams are sleepers and have tons of potential, but we're in a store for like a fun two days for sure, Dave. Well, let's run in through a few of these games. Ohio State and Louisville. We saw the Bucks beat Tennessee to open the season and really kind of set the tone. Now, J.C. Sheldon's been out here the last couple games, but give us a sense for where you see the Buckeyes. Are they the best team in the Big Ten, in your opinion? Oh, I mean, they're right up there. I think when you look at all teams, Indiana, Iowa is also in that conversation. Indiana has that top defense, adding that three-point scoring. Iowa always brings in one of the top offenses in the nation. Um, they hit a couple, couple of bumps as well. But Ohio State, for me personally, they're just checking off all of the boxes right now on the defensive end and on the offensive end. On defense, they're number one team in the nation in turnover margin. J.C. Sheldon leading the entire nation in steals. She's been incredible, providing double-figure scoring for this team as well. And then on offense, they hold the top three offense in the nation. The Splash Sisters, as I mentioned, J.C. Sheldon and Taylor Mike Skell, Taylor Mike Sell having some chemistry together this year. I think they're the best of the best. So obviously those three teams are in the conversation for me, but at this point of the season so early, Ohio State to me is looking like the best team in the conference right now. 105 points in consecutive games without Sheldon. It's remarkable. Tomorrow's a great game, North Carolina and Indiana, two top six teams. Grace Berger unfortunately injured her knee over the weekend. She's not going to play in this game unclear what her status is they're saying day to day according to terry morin how does indiana make up for her absence well grace berger i mean it is a huge blow to the team for sure i mean she provides double figure scoring um she's that good one-two punch with mckenzie holmes her mid-range game, game is incredible and fun to watch she gives defenders a problem she can rebound and she was running point for this team but you know, it reminds me of the time last season when they were able to bring in, uh, have Mackenzie Holmes out due to injury, but this team still found a way to rally together and make up for her absence. I can see them doing just that because they have a balanced squad. They bring in tons of transfers that revamp them. Sarah Scalia is a great facilitator for this team. She provides three-point shooting. Um, I can see Yarden Garzon stepping up at the point once again. She did for the remainder of that game whenever – um, Grace Berger went down, but it's just going to take a little bit from everyone, I think. And North Carolina is a tough team, and they're looking hot right now. They just knocked off Oregon and Iowa State. Deja Kelly is playing out of her mind. So it just takes everyone in this matchup to make up for a player like Grace Berger. Iowa hosts NC State. We saw Iowa fall to UConn over the weekend. What's the key to them bouncing back? 
it's just going to take all players. I think for them, um, the offense is never in question. I mean, you have the best top scoring duo in the nation and Caitlin Clark and also Monica Sinano. Um, But other players like Kate Martin, uh, McKenna Warnock, who Kate Martin went six for six from three against the Huskies. That was an incredible game to watch. Coach Bluter says she's like an unsung hero for this team, but everyone just has to do a little bit of everything. And for me, for Iowa, it just comes to the defensive stops. Like NC State is a team that loves to run. They can work on both ends. They have new transfers as well. So they're still trying to gel together their system. But I think when it just, um, when I look at Iowa, I just want to see more from the defensive end. Like if they can get things rolling and get those defensive stops when it matters, I think this team will be incredible. But It'll be a game of runs, just like how we saw them go up against UConn. They played really well. It just at the end favored UConn, but I I think they'll be strong if they they can go execute on both sides of the ball for sure. Oh, they are a fun offensive team. I mean, Martin, you mentioned six for six from three, and she's playing with the mask. She's broken her nose yeah, right. three times in the last two years. Feel feel bad for her. That's tough. Uh, Michigan has started the post Nas Hillman era at seven and zero. Oh. How good do you think this team is? They're, they're taking on Miami here in the challenge. Is, were people sleeping on Michigan here? You took the words right out of my mouth. Yes, literally sleeping on this team because they were ranked number 25 coming into the season. And that was last season. They were just an elite eight team. Um, they were number 12 team in the nation. So that kind of shocked me when I saw the first AP um, top 25 poll. And coach said it herself. Like we went from the underdogs and have something to prove and now they're trying to show that Michigan women's basketball is still here. Incredible way to start the season. 7-0, and huge wins over South Florida and also taking down Baylor. But they're doing it with the core that they still have. Uh, Leah Brown, Layla Filia, Maddie Nolan, Emily Kaiser, who is playing so well at this point of her season. Um, she was just the MVP of the Gulf Coast short, uh, Showcase. Nearly averaged a double-double in that one. Had a career high of 26 points. But in the absence of Nas Hillman, the question has always been, like, who's next? It's Emily Kaiser, and I really think, like, she's stepping up to that moment. She's showing that she's ready for that moment. And I really loved how she played alongside of Nas Hillman. I mean, they were like Batman and Robin in that front court. But she's showing that she is here, and she's ready to step up for this team. Autumn, can't wait to watch these games coming up starting tonight. Thanks so much for helping us out, shedding some light into it, and enjoy yourself in Louisville tonight. Thank you so much. It feels like March. Excited to see it. Here's the third team All-Big Ten offense. Ohio State's Mayan Williams, Penn State's Nick Singleton, the running backs, Michigan's Ronnie Bell, Michigan State's Keon Coleman, the receivers. Offensive line includes a couple gophers, a standing tight end group as well. Congratulations to all of those who were honored today. Well, since we last convened, a couple new coaches in the Big Ten. Luke Fickle at Wisconsin, Matt Rule at Nebraska. Pat, I want to start with you, and Rule has a little bit of a steeper hill to climb than Fickle does. What do you think of this hire from a guy who is a rebuilding specialist? Well, I love both hires, first of all, but specifically to the Nebraska situation, uh, from what I've been told, Matt Rule turned him down at least once, if not twice. There were some other coaches who did not express interest, so things were looking a bit rocky. And for Trev Alberts to pull out Matt Rule, who I think was probably as good a candidate as you could get, I think it was really it was a great hire for them. And I expect him to come in and deliver a lot of steak. Maybe not as much sizzle, but a 